often just look at the numbers. Uh, we sometimes forget that the numbers are numbers that materially impact on the well-being of the end user, that there is actually a person behind them, a person that may be okay, but often a person that is not. In the context of longevity, the question of mental health and cost implications thereof often appear to have been left behind. The next presentation covers the causes, consequences, and costs of dementia, and how our retirement savings might be affected. Lucia, Lucia Vegas is a lecturer for the undergrad and postgrad subjects at the University of Advertisement. She spent the first six years of her career in the corporate environment and moved into academia after having a daughter in 2014. Lucia is passionate about the retirement field with a particular focus on outcomes post-retirement. As a mother of two young children, she enjoys balancing her time between work and play. <laughs> Thanks, Lucia. Thanks, Costa. Good afternoon, everybody. So today I'm going to just present a paper that was done by a couple of students um, in the honours course that I supervised that is an investigation into cognitive decline and its costs in retirement. So this is just the content. I'll give you some background, the aims, what cognitive decline can be defined as, the model that they produced and the data that they used, the results that came out of it, a conclusion, and then perhaps some discussion if we have time. So what is my role in the research? Basically, as a post-grad lecturer at WITS, we need to provide research topics for our honours students to choose from each year. My discipline is obviously in the field of retirement, and as a result, my topics revolve around retirement. More recently, I have focused on degrees of inadequacy, and more specifically, I've started looking at where people are, are actually diligently saving towards retirement. Is the goal that we are giving them correct, or are there some things that we could be missing? So the authors of the paper, although I supervised the research, I wasn't actually an author. The authors of the paper were two students who graduated from the Actuarial Science Honours Program last year at WITS. Their names are Matthew McGurk and Partha Rumbaran, and I did ask them to come and present, but I think they felt a bit intimidated to come and present in front of a group of experienced actuaries. So how did I get to this research? So how did we reach these aims? So first of all, I think the big question I ask myself is, what is cognitive decline in the context of longevity? In a world where people seem to be living forever, and it is said that the, the first person who's going to live to the age of 200 has already been born, how does cognitive decline impact them? And are we going to become demented if we all just live to age 150? Once a person retires, how does that affect their cognition and, their co and cognitive decline in general? And can we quantify the cost of this? So should people actually be saving more than we've specifically told them to save or the goals have been given or are giving people because they could become demented at older ages? So the aim specifically of the paper, first of all, were to identify the, the factors that influence the onset of cognitive decline. Secondly, Look at how dementia affects future expected lifetime of individuals. And finally, see if we can put a cost to this. So estimate the expected costs that are incurred in retirement due to dementia. The paper specifically focused on dementia, which is obviously just a subset of cognitive decline, but at least it's a start. So there was mainly, there was mainly evidence and, and information related to dementia. This is a much smaller category than the whole cognitive decline that we could look at. So what is cognitive decline? We can consider cognitive decline in terms of three things. The age-related effects, 
the use it or lose it hypothesis, and then the effect of actually retiring. First of all, from an age-related effects perspective, cognition can be defined in terms of fluid intelligence and crystallized intelligence. Now, fluid intelligence is considered to be the ability to use new or unfamiliar information in processes or to solve problems, whereas crystallized intelligence is rather the habits and um, behavior that you adapt or, or adopt over time due to education and experience. It has been found that fluid intelligence decreases during adulthood and crystallized intelligence increases during adulthood. However, fluid intelligence decreases from the age of 20 and crystallized intelligence, although starting off as increasing, starts to decline from the age of 40. Something that is a great predictor of cognitive decline is the speed of processing new information. So I had to put this in context for myself, and something that I thought about is, if I consider my four-year-old navigating through my cell phone or my iPad, she doesn't really need my help to get to YouTube or to get to the games that she wants to get to, Whereas if I consider my father, who is 70 years old, and how much time I have to spend teaching him how to get to his emails, how to get onto his Wi-Fi, how to connect to certain things like that, it became very evident to me that the speed of processing new information definitely reduces as we get older. So the evidence shows that it actually starts to decline from age 30. So this shows us that cognitive decline actually starts before we retire long before we retire, before we would even think about starting to do something about it. That begs the question, if you live long enough, will you become demented? And unfortunately, it looks like the answer is yes. The second thing we can look at is the use it or lose it hypothesis. So the use it or lose it hypothesis, as the name suggests, is that if we don't continue to use our cognitive abilities, we will tend to lose them over, over time. This is over and above age-related effects. It has been shown that mentally stimulating exercises, whether they be work-related or just in our daily activities, definitely do delay the onset of cognitive decline. And also, it, there is evidence to show that physical exercise also delays age-related cognitive decline. What about the effect of retirement? So there are two views with respect to the effect of retirement. One of the views says that retirement is beneficial because it relieves the stress that people are under due to their daily work activities. The other is that it is detrimental because it induces the use it or lose it hypothesis. So once you stop working, you stop using your cognitive abilities. This can be tested using regression techniques. However, there's a few things that we need to consider. First of all, there's the reverse causation. So this is where people opt into retirement because of cognitive decline. So it includes those people who would become retired at, say, for example, age 55 because they have been diagnosed with dementia. Secondly is the time effect. So we know that when people retire at age 60, the impact of cognitive decline doesn't start immediately. Rather, cognitive decline progresses with age or progresses with time in retirement. And finally, there's occupational heterogeneity. So here we know that people have different types of jobs. And looking at different types of jobs, you find that people who come from different backgrounds have different experiences with, effect to, with respect to cognitive decline post-retirement. So if we remove recourse, uh, reverse causation, we see that if people spend long enough in retirement, they become more and or, or the, the cognitive decline progresses further and further. So the longer you have spent in retirement, the worse your cognitive ability is. 
With respect to occupational heterogeneity, it has been found that people who previously had physically intensive and stressful jobs actually have improved cognition in retirement. So that doesn't bode very well for us, unfortunately. <laughs> Most importantly in retirement is actually the vicious cycle that we see happening with retired individuals. First of all, people who retire or are retired tend to have reduced confidence about engaging in cognitive activities. As a result, they stop engaging or at least reduce their level of engagement. This induces or enhances the use it or lose it hypothesis and over time they tend to experience actual cognitive decline and therefore they have further reduced confidence and so the cycle continues. In terms of the paper and the modeling and the data in the paper, the authors modeled a three-state model. There was normal health, the demented state and death you could move from the normal state into death and the demented state into death, but once you left the normal state, there was no going back. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. In the demented states, there were two sub-states. Those are basically home-based care, so somebody who has cognitive decline, has the onset of dementia, and has to be taken care of at home, and that is basically someone to help them cook, clean, maybe drive them around, shop for them, etc. And then there was the progression into institutionalized care where everything basically gets done for you. So there's full-time nursing, you, get, you basically need help to eat, to bath, just the normal daily things. The home-based care was estimated to be 192,000 rand per annum. Institutionalized care was estimated to be 300,000 rand per annum. Now, just with respect to the home-based care, we would need to remember that this 192,000 rand per annum would be over and above your other costs, like maintaining your home, buying yourself groceries, paying your medical costs, etc. There was a certain period of time in which people progressed from needing home-based care to needing institutionalized care. Basically, it was assumed that everybody who progressed into dementia or became demented would at least pass through the home-based care and then if they survived long enough, they would eventually move into the institutionalized care. So females take quicker, females progress more quickly into institutionalized care three years compared to males. The main assumptions in the model was that retirement takes place at age 60. The interest basically used to discount and find the present value of the costs was 9.7% per annum. And the, the authors basically used a previous paper where this was stated as the average return on an, on an annuity post-retirement. And then the increases in those costs of institutionalized and home-based care was 8.71% per annum. And that was taken from the average medical aid cost increase, uh, not medical aid, sorry, sorry, medical inflation increases over the past four years, between 2012 and 2016. Okay, this just is a little bit of the data to show you that they have gotten their data from somewhere. Um, I won't spend too much time on it though. The mortality, so moving from the normal health state to death, they use the ASSCSR pension and mortality investigation, and this looks at forced annuitization. So it doesn't look at people who have opted into annuities and may actually live for longer. The sigma X was movement from the normal state to the demented state. This came from two separate papers. There was a little bit of difficulty in getting this data, and there were some inconsistencies, but this was the only data available. New X was movement from the demented state into death, and it basically looked at whether dementia impacts mortality. And it was found that it does from the being 
similar to normal mortality in very low stages of dementia to being three times normal mortality at very progressed dementia. Cost of care came from empirical evidence, also was quite difficult to find. And then the cost of institutionalization came from a, a UK-based paper that they converted into um, RAND-based. And we found it was very difficult to actually get information from these institutions. They weren't very willing to give us uh, what the costs were. Some of the results. So this is the expected future lifetime in the demented state. Here you can see that a female who is in the demented state at age 60 can expect to live approximately 17 more years, so to age 77. And a male can live to approximately, I mean, a male can live approximately 11 more years. I've superimposed over that females and males in the normal health state. So here you can see that there definitely is an impact on mortality when one becomes demented or, or gets dementia. This graph shows the expected present value of the cost of care per age of dementia onset. So this basically means that for an individual who has got dementia at age 60, the expected present value of the cost of care for a male is about 2.7 million rand and for a female is about 4.3 million rand. So this is given that they already have dementia. Just bear in mind that those early costs for the first few years where there's home-based care, we've left out the additional costs of having to maintain your home, buy your groceries, etc. This is purely the cost of care. So you can see, the, um, given that you have dementia, males, it costs about 2.7 million, females about 4.2 million in order to protect yourselves against the costs of care related to dementia. If we take into account someone who is in normal health at age 60 and then having to actually pay perhaps in the context of insurance a once-off lump sum premium to an insurer, for example, a male would have to pay an extra 92,000 in addition to what they save towards retirement and a female an additional 261,000. So females obviously have a higher cost. That is because they progress faster to institutionalization, but they still live longer than males even in the demented state. So that can be seen in the context of an insurance premium, what you would have to pay at the outset as a lump sum in order to protect yourself against those costs of care. So in conclusion, and this is not really the conclusion of the paper, it, it is more my concerns and my conclusion, is that we already know that people don't have good habits when it comes to saving for retirement in general. We also know that we have the added burden of longevity, which increases the cost of retirement. Because payments are needed for a longer period of time, we know this and we are trying to do something about it. There also seems to be a need for potential full-time medical care, specifically for people who might be living to, to the age of 100, 110, 150. So I've only considered one element here, dementia, but what else are we missing? What else is there, that, or what other expenses might people face at the oldest ages, where they are in the most need of care, the most need of advice, that we have simply missed? Um, in terms of insurance, there are two insurers who cover against Alzheimer's at old age, but that was the only evidence of insurance that we found. Is the risk too high? Because I've said that if we live long enough, we become demented. I think this is where um, pensions actually can definitely collaborate with insurers in order to find products or structure products around what could happen in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Lucia. Any questions from the floor?
Um, the stats, I mean, the stats each year are quite frightening. I mean, if you look at um, the UK, there was a study not too long ago, one in 14 people uh, over the age of 65 suffers from dementia. Um, over the age of 80, uh, one in six. Um, so it's obviously uh, a, massive, a massive problem um, faced by retirees and one that is obviously not funded for. Alongside the cost of typical medical care, um, yeah. over and above that, um, normal sort of living expenses, um, takes back the point that, that John was talking about earlier as actuaries, the role that we can play in terms of adequately funding for these potential um, contingencies and, 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 and what we need to do to basically protect ourselves against that. It just seems to me that what we're setting aside at the moment, um, you know, be it 15% or 17%, nowhere near covers, mm. covers um, the, the costs associated with living post-retirement and, and, and managing through all the potential contingencies that you might be faced with, just as a comment. Um, I, think, I think, well, firstly, Chair, thank you very much for, 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 for your work and the work that your honest students put together in terms of helping you present this paper. <laughs> I think you did a marvellous job. Thank you. Um, so, so we really appreciate your time and your thank efforts, you. and on behalf of the Retirement Matters Committee, I'd like to give you a turn of, up, turn thank of you. appreciation. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.